Well, everybody, if you have a uh, handout, you can take that and flip it over to the next, or to that first page. And I, I don't know if this is going to make much sense or not, but I, I started thinking about trying to sum up this idea of relational living according to the Bible. If you have your Bible, Romans 12 is where we are. We're spending a lot of time in Romans 12. And I, I thought of this is a um, uh, names changed to protect the innocent kind of thing, where this story is one that I... I'm aware of. Um, I don't know if this would be super clear, so bear with me. If it doesn't make much sense, we can, we can work through it. Bill's relationship, and this should be written out on your thing, Bill's relationship with his roommate, Joe, is okay. They eat a lot of meals together, and whenever he needs a ride, Joe is always there to help. But recently, Bill has been making Joe feel uncomfortable. Bill met the scholarship athletes down the hall, and now he constantly is talking about them. Twice this week, he ditched Joe so he could meet up with his new friends. Joe's, Joe doesn't want to be needy, uh, I'm sorry, it should be Bill. No. No, this is right. Joe doesn't, always, doesn't want to be needy, but it sure seems like... Why did I say Tom? Sorry about that. sure seems like Bill is turning into a bad friend. The last two weeks have been especially hard for Joe with his mom and dad talking divorce again, the possibility of having to sit out next spring semester. Okay. What do you tell Joe? He's got a roommate who is sort of a friend but is not a great friend. Um, what, what warning signs do you see here? What, what, would, how would you, what would you tell Bill? How would you talk to Bill about what he's doing? He probably is oblivious to what's going on. Let's look at it again. Their, room, their relationship is okay. They eat a lot of meals together. Whenever he needs a ride, Joe is always there to help. But recently, Bill has been making Joe feel uncomfortable. He met the scholarship athletes down the hall, and now he constantly is talking about them. Twice this week, he ditched him so he can meet up with his new friends. And Joe doesn't want to be needy, but it sure seems like that should be Bill is turning into a bad friend. Last two weeks have been especially hard with Joe and his mom and his dad talking divorce again and the possibility of having to sit out next spring semester. Okay, so he, uh, Bill is using Joe for what? For what he needs. So he's got... Um, Companionship, they eat meals together. So he needs somebody to, to, to eat with, so he eats with his roommate. Whenever he needs a ride, transportation. Um, he makes plans with him, but something better comes up. Okay, exactly. He's made, he's made friends, but then all of a sudden he, he's got a friend. Like, you know how your roommate's kind of like your default friend? It's like when you're a freshman, maybe. You're like put together with somebody, and they're like, it's, it's who you're connected with. It's like, okay. But... All of a sudden, they're cooler people in the picture. And what does he do when the cooler people? Yeah, we are, we are giving him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe we're saying he, do, he doesn't, he doesn't really intentionally. That's what I'm getting to. I'm getting to. Bill is definitely unaware. He's not, he doesn't see what he's doing. So how would you help him see what he's doing? I feel like Joe needs to be like, hey, look, a friendship doesn't grow just because the trees grow that water. You've got to nurture it. Okay. That's good. <laughs> But I also understand what you're saying is not every time there's roommate equal friendships. It's like you see, you're almost forced into. You've got to be. Yeah. I mean, if not, it'd be really awkward. Walk in, you don't say a word. It's just like right. Yeah. Okay, so Amanda. Oh, go to Grace. Before more than once, but a lot of times 
it's like I have a different expectation for the friendship than the other person does. Okay. Like I'm more a group person, and when I make friends with someone who's more one-on-one, yeah. there can be hurt feelings a lot because I'm thinking like big group activities, and they're thinking like, I just want to have a meal with you. Sure. So, yeah, for sure. Um, what is, good point. When you get towards the end of this little scenario, um, <coughs> what comes obvious about Joe? He's he's got problems. Well, he's got some issues. He's got some stuff, and it's 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 out of his control. Okay, Joe's got stuff out of his control. His his mom and dad are talking divorce. That puts pressure on anybody. I mean, a lot of pressure when your mom and dad are are doing this, and you're and you're in, in school away. Okay, that's a lot of pressure. Also, um, possibility of having to sit out. Nobody wants to sit out. That's like pressure. So he's got all this pressure, and people are walking away from him, and he doesn't have the friendship he needs. So the point here is I think um, Bill, in this scenario, and this isn't a perfect scenario, but Bill sees his friends are people who can help him. He doesn't necessarily see how he can contribute to helping his friends. And we all have people we know like this, and sometimes we're like this. We see, okay, I go to so-and-so because they got the cool car, and I'll go to so-and-so because they like sports, and so-and-so because they have a cool TV. Is that Albert? That's me, I apologize. It's <laughs> quite the ringer you got there. Um, and uh, so my, my point here was that Bill doesn't really seem aware of his friend's needs, and he, he probably, he might help him if he knew about it, but he just doesn't know. And he's too caught up in what people can provide for him. So really, yes. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I, I was getting ready to move on, but that's all right. Oh, okay. I was just going to add really quickly that um, even though Joe is having a hard time, he should continue to give to Bill and just love on <coughs> Bill. And I know we had a message on this a few weeks ago about no matter what's going on, you just still continuously give, right. give, give, give. And yeah, that's, that's really – so we're going to talk about relational living. Living – out relationships, and I think you're starting to get really close to where we're going. So let's look at um, the first thing in these uh, Romans 12 verses 9 and 10. Um, I have here that relational living means showing genuine love. Um, and we tend to think of love, we've kind of relegated the word love to romantic relationships, haven't we? We tend to think like, um, or very unusual relation. Like I haven't told that many guys, dude, I love you. It's just... Have you told anything? Occasionally, but very rarely. It's just not a thing, guys. I don't, girls might be different. They probably are a lot different. <laughs> uh, that's great. I'm glad. Um, but uh, we, we need to understand that uh, biblical love um, is, is different. So this is a great verse here in, in Romans 12.9. Uh, Paul says, let love be what? Without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Okay, so we've got to guard against hypocritical uh, love. So let love be without hypocrisy means um, it means that uh, hypocrisy, it, uh, love there is, is a giving love, if you, there's a blank there. Genuine love, this is agape love. If you've ever done these studies in biblical love, one of the words, the Bible words, I have it probably in a footnote, is agape. And it's a sacrificial love that looks out for the needs of others. Genuine love gives up something you treasure for someone else's benefit. Okay, so this is the opposite of sensual or lustful love. So sensual love takes, okay, sensual, uh, lust is the idea of I want, so I take. Uh, true love is, is giving. In fact, it says in the Bible that Jesus uh, looked on the crowds and he felt 
agape love. He felt compassion, so he gave. He, you know, he, he gives to them. He provides for them. So genuine love is a giving love. The opposite of that, so we said uh, hypocritical love, it's a selfish love, okay, or the kind of love that doesn't look out for others. Hypocritical love is big on words but light on action. And the word without hypocrisy is, is a word that means without, uh, being without pretense uh, or genuine and sincere. So, um, being without pretense. And I, I highlighted, I bolded this A here because um, it, in Greek, the letter A on the front of a word means it's a negation. It's like, it's like um, uh, if you say something's atypical, that means it's, it's not typical. Uh, so here, nuptikos uh, means uh, being false. And so if you put the A on the front, it means being without pretense or being genuine. Okay. So uh, here's a personal question. Do you love people? Do you love people for what they can get you or do you love them regardless? Said another way, would it change the way you saw certain friends if they went through financial hardship or had a traumatic brain injury? And I've had a friend who had a traumatic brain injury. And I could tell you a lot of his friends disappeared. I'm just saying, that's the way life is. Okay, I have a friend, and I actually was texting him today. I was, I was doing this, and I was thinking about him, so I texted him a little bit. I was like, hey, how are you doing? I haven't heard from you in a while, and we chatted. And, um, and when he, he went through his big uh, wreck, uh, he was 20, I don't know, 24, 23, and uh, had all of his life in front of him, and was a very funny guy, and then uh, was in a coma for like two months. Came out a different personality and really struggled for a long time with bitterness. And a lot of his friends um, just didn't really want to hang out with him because he wasn't fun anymore. Now, it takes true love to give to somebody who is not very fun to be around. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Those yeah. Or th- when someone's taking and, and you're not receiving, it's very easy to just say, look, I quit. But um, this is hard. Okay, so I'm not saying we all have to be perfect in this area, but it's something to think about. That's what he's talking about when he says this. So here's a quick discussion question. How does the common assertion that we should love ourselves, I hear this all the time. I kind of just learned to love myself now. Okay. How how does that square with what the Bible teaches about true biblical love? So let's open this up for discussion. I gave some verses there. What do you think? How How does the common assertion that we should love ourselves square with the biblical assertion for love? Yes, ma'am. I just got a question. Sure. Um, I'm not sure what verse or even what book it's in, but doesn't the Bible also say to love ourselves? I don't know. God can you, tells us to love ourselves. Can you find a verse that says Are that? I really like so I try. I don't even know where to start. Yeah, how does, it, how does that square? How does that, how do you reconcile? How do you, how do you understand that? Are you saying like how the world says to love yourself? Yes. Well, the, well, that's what I'm asking is, is, what does the Bible say about that? Because here I'm talking about love, and I'm talking about love being a giving love that's not focused on yourself. Yes? It's just an idea, just a thought. I it's just the world makes it conceited love. Like, okay. If you love yourself, it's like, oh, you're conceited. Or some people do, like, are very... They think they, they, they're in love with themselves. Yeah. But it's different. I think there's a difference between, like, obviously this, by 
it seems like what you're saying here, the common assertion that we should love ourselves, um, is talking about like what the world says. Uh -huh. Like, um, you know how there will be all those Pinterest posts like love yourself. You That's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, Look in the mirror today and tell yourself that you're then, amazing. But then you start, it's good to have confidence, but then you start looking at that and you start looking deeper into yourself rather than sharing that love outwards. You okay. start sort of caving in on yourself and you're like, uh -huh. oh, no, I'm, this is wrong with me, this is wrong with me, this is wrong right. with me, this is wrong with me. Mm -hmm. And so I think um, that the reason we shouldn't like be pridefully in love with ourselves, but I think we should accept where we are. Okay. And find our significance in Christ and accept like who we are in Christ okay. and we should love that. Okay, good. Go forward with that. Well, if you really look at most of the teachings from Christ and just throughout the scriptures and the epistles, we really don't have to learn how to love ourselves. It's, right. it's almost like a nature, some people more than others, will exceed no, a love, the love for themselves and more okay. than talk about humility. So I think what Amanda's thinking about is there is a passage that talks about uh, every man loves his own flesh and what man does not love his own flesh. And so what I'm saying is, is that, um, is that is a con it's almost accepted. It's like, in fact, I heard it on James Dobson's radio show one time, folks on the family radio, they're talking about, just you know, today, take some time and love yourself. And I was like, you know, that is a very common Christian thing to say. The question is, is how, how truly biblical is it? And if you look at what the Bible says, the Bible over and over again never actually commands you to love yourself. Search it. It's not there. What it does say is it assumes you love yourself. It assumes that you look out for yourself. In fact, when people... Um, um, and this is, this is key because the idea is true love has to be focused towards God or towards others. It can't be inwardly focused. Okay, that's selfish love. That's hypocritical love. You're going to get yourself in a lot of trouble if you're focused on, on loving yourself. Um, because let me just say one more thing, and this is another thing that gets twisted. And you think about it, it makes sense. People say um, things like, um, I'm trying to think of a good example. You know, uh, oh, I, I hate myself. Um, uh, I've heard, I've heard um, I love people too much, and they, they kind of walk all over me type of thing, where, like, I, I love too much and too easily. I'm vulnerable. Um, yeah. But really, it's what? that when people say that, they love themselves so much that when they give to someone and they don't get something in return, they're hurt because they right. think, well, I deserve better. And really, right. when you think you deserve more, you're... Right. And so, yeah, yeah. So here's another one. People say, um, oh, you know, I, my life is so miserable. I hate myself. And wait a second. If you hate yourself, you'd be so happy your life is miserable. You'd be like, my life is miserable. That's great because I hate myself and I, I hate everything about me. So I want my life to be miserable. Yeah. Well, that's like the backward thinking. Like we're, ah, what she was saying. Yeah. It masks itself. Exactly. What we do is we have so much pride that we give ourselves unrealistic expectations. We yeah. don't meet those expectations. We disappoint ourselves. And so that's why we're like, oh. And we say in our mind, we're thinking, I'm better than this. Yeah, I'm better than this. I, I, I deserve better than this. this. Or like, I am better than, like, yeah. I deserve better, yeah. I don't know if this is related, but mm -hmm. um, just going off of like when people say like, I hate myself, I'm not good enough. It's kind of like a slap in God's face. Because you're, like, you're a child of God. He created you. How could you dare say that? And, and God loves you despite your weaknesses and despite how you truly are. Um, and see, what I'm trying to strip away, it's okay to be honest if you're struggling or if you, have, if you see things in you oh, that are not very attractive spiritually. You know, 
that is God loves you. He loves you. And, and you don't have to pretend like you're perfect. Uh, all these verses here talk about loving the Lord your God and loving your neighbor. And, and the assumption is that you're taking care of yourself, that you love yourself. Everything you do, I mean, how much do you love yourself? Well, you ate today, didn't you? I bet you ate more than once. You're taking care of yourself. You take good care of yourself. You know, if you hurt, are you going to take care of that? Take some Advil, take some, you know, Tylenol. Yeah, or something. Um, so not to get too bogged down on this, but we need to talk about what true and genuine love is. And it's outwardly giving focused. Um, so it's also connected to this. Um, he says, abhor what is evil and cling to what is good. So here's another thing. I, as I was doing this, I just thought, man, there's so many questions I have because I hear things all the time that are just accepted even by Christians. Is hate always wrong? How do you square this command with the idea that hate is always have you ever heard somebody say, well, hate is, there's no excuse for hate. Hate is always bad. I've heard that before. The Bible says abhor or hate the evil. So, is, so what do you say? So is hate always wrong? No. Depends on what? I think that like, um, the point is we're not supposed to, you know that saying like hate the sin, not the sinner? Right, That's right. Sure. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not, you should not hate like individuals because they're made in the image of God. But they're like, um, you know, they're, they're, hate is, you cannot truly love something without the ability to also hate. For example, I love my wife very much. Okay. And anything that's going to come between my wife and me, I should hate with a passion because that comes between something that I truly love between, between us. And I love her and I want our relationship to be good. You know what I'm saying? And so anger and hatred are, can be funneled into spiritual pursuits. If you love your relationship with God, then you hate that which destroys your relationship with God. You take it seriously. The problem is that we don't hate the right things. We hate the stuff that gets in our way, the stuff that inconveniences us, the stuff that makes life a little bit hard. We don't hate things that actually are destroying us spiritually. Does that make sense? Yes. Um, so I have here, uh, we're told in our culture that you can't hate something, or at least you shouldn't hate anything. We're told that hate is always wrong, but the Bible tells us that when it comes to that which is evil, we ought to hate it with a passion. Um, so what does it look like to abhor or hate evil? Can you define evil or what an evil thing might be? Okay, good. Temptations to sin. What, what do we normally do with temptations to sin? Rather than... Okay, so what's the opposite of hating something? It's like you flirt with it. That's what I put in my thing. Uh, don't flirt with, hate, with evil. We flirt with evil. We're like, you know, there's, there's something wicked or something evil, and we're like, eh, can't be that bad. Let's see how, co how close we can get to it. Like, if, if you were to, um, if there were to be a snake, if somebody were to let a snake loose in this room, uh, most of the girls and most of the guys would jump up on their chairs or run to like one corner of the room. There'd be a couple guys be like, oh, cool, let me look at it, you know? But most people would not even care if it's poisonous or not. They want to get away because it's, ah, you know, get me away from this thing. I want to abhor it. I want to, to test it. I want to get away from it. Right? Yeah, Grace. So I always really struggle with the like, this is evil, and so I'm going to stay away from it. But there's also, like, the extreme. You mm -hmm. know what I'm talking about? Where people go to, like, the extreme, like, I... I mean, the extreme extreme is, like, Amish. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. So
like how where do you draw that line where it's like I don't want to be flirting with this, but at the same time I live in a world that's filled with sin and like everything's connected to something somehow like I'm not gonna stop going to Starbucks because they support Oh sure. Like where do you draw that line? This is a good question. What do you think? Okay, I th- yeah. I think if you find yourself making excuses for why it's right, I think then it's an issue. Does that make sense? Or why it's not as bad, then okay. it's an issue. Does that make sense? Okay. But if it's something like, um, I don't know what they're going to say. Yeah. Chelsea? Okay, because um, <clears throat> I'll struggle with this as well, even though I know. But um, you're supposed to find what it says was the truth about that evil yeah. or whatever it is that you keep going back and forth with find the truth in it or why it's evil or why it's bad and you should know how to handle it when that situation comes up or it comes to mm-hmm. like if someone keeps pressuring you to do something you know it's wrong so you already have in your mind to say no mm-hmm. and not there should even, shouldn't even be a temptation to Okay, you're exactly right. So what, what, I, what I'm going to kind of take from what you said was is this idea of mindset, of, of things, that are dispro- things that displease God. We ought to have a mindset of abhorrence or hatred. Okay, So that's a pre-mindset. So when you come up to a, 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 a decision point, someone pressures you, hey, hey, why don't you, you know, and, and you, you're not, when you're in that moment, there's, there's a lot of things going on. You've got pre- you got pressures from outside. You got pressures from inside. You, you you know you've got to make a decision. And some of us are not very good at making decisions on the spot, right? We we get under pressure. We're like ha ha. I've I've driven with some people like that. You know they get in a situation. They're driving. They're like you're like please just let me drive next time because they get in pressure. Like ha ha, and they start freaking out. And they don't people. What you need to do is before you get to the situation, your mindset already has to be made up. So you abhor what is evil. You cleave to what is good, or you 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 cling to what is good. And you decide ahead of time. It's a mindset thing. I don't think it's a matter of proximity, okay? Because I can be close to people, and I can be close to evil personally, but not be my, letting my heart indulge in something that's wrong. Does that make sense? Um, you can be... Um, I, I'm, I, I've witnessed to people uh, who I'm pretty sure were really stoned. And um, there was drugs in the house. There was stuff going on that is could be said. Okay, that's 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 wickedness. That's there's some bad stuff going on there. I'm close to it, but I'm not like, hey, what you got there? <laughs> What's going on? You know, give me a little information. I'm, I'm not curious, and I'm not accepting that. I think it's more of a a mind gate kind of thing where your mindset is made up versus being close to something. Is that sort of answer that question, Hannah? You're gonna say something? No. No. Yeah. Yeah. I guess sort of like instead of giving yourself options in that area, it's like that's not even an option. I can't right. You know. Decisions already made mm-hmm. when you get to that point. And I think what Lindsay said also applies in that it depends on the person. Like if you if you were witnessing and you had but you were a recovering druggie. Right. That probably would not be the best place or the best. But you know what I mean? Like you probably You're not willingly you're, put yourself in that really situation. Hard for you to be in that situation and not go backwards. So it might be one of those things where you say, Hey, why don't you pour in my house? And, it might be wisdom issues, yeah. Right. So uh, 
true love has the ability to hate that which stands in the way of that true love. So when you when you see your mom and dad, like uh, if there's a problem in their relationship, and you're thinking, I don't want my mom and dad to split. You hate what's causing that problem, whatever it might be, whether it's the drinking or the or the relationships or whatever. And we're not going to get even close to getting through today's lesson. Sorry about that. But one last thing, and then we'll finish up here. And that is um, to guard against hypocritical love is what we just talked about. And then second, commit yourself. This other verse here that I really, really enjoyed, which was uh, in Romans chapter 12, verse 10, which says, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, giving preference to one another in honor. I'm just going to quickly go through this because I think this is something that we can put into practice even this week. Uh, being devoted means to be wholly committed to someone. And this going back to that, this is kind of where I started with that, uh, that example in the beginning. The idea is that the, the roommate really wasn't committed to his friend. He was committed to himself, thinking about himself. He wasn't committed to another person. But we're commanded by God to be wholly committed to each other. Um, and brotherly love is different. It's a Philadelphia is where we get our word Philadelphia here. It has the idea of a friendship love, uh, having a good relationship with those in the faith, um, friendship. And it's not necessarily the giving kind of love like agape. It's a kind of fellowship love. And it looks like this, giving preference to one another in honor. So giving preference is preferring another person over yourself thinking highly of someone, taking their needs ahead of, your, ahead of your own, that's being unselfish. And second, in honor, means with respect. Now, this is what I want to sit on for just like five minutes. If you'll give me five minutes of your time, we'll be, we'll be finished. Um, this is huge. We do this, we give honor, give preference to each other with honor. And the question is, do you know people who can't carry on a conversation without cutting down others? How is this contrary to what God desires? And if you watch TV for five minutes, almost all the TV shows are cutting you down. Oh, I'm going to cut you down. Oh, I'm going to give a smart out comment back. Oh, yeah? Boom. It's like constantly cutting each other down. And we get used to that kind of talk, and we even do it with our friends, and we think it's funny. And you know what? I'm not going to say it's always wrong, but the Bible seems to say that when you, when you have relationships with your friends, when you have relationships even with your, your, your Philadelphia, your friends— your devotion to each other, and you need to give preference to each other with honor. How can you show honor to people? Be respectful. Like, it, we are so used to just being disrespectful towards each other. It's almost like in American culture, when you're disrespectful, it's a, it's a sign of love, you know? But the Bible says, you know, that can go too far really quick. Well, you know the picture of, like, an old married couple that's always fighting, but they, you know, love each other like that? I don't know if that really, if that really li- it works. I know, that's what I'm saying. Like, that, I don't think that's the, the old couples I've seen that still are married and both are still living, they love each other. And they're committed to each other and they, they yeah. just and they dote on each other and they don't cut each other down. So in our relationships, and I, I'm sorry we didn't get very far. Our game probably took too much time out of our uh, thing. But that was fun anyway. Um, we've, we've got to be careful as friends in our relationships. And this goes with dating relationships too. To give honor, and then dating relationships, this, this involves staying pure as well with each other, being careful to give honor to each other. Honor. Don't dishonor each other. Don't take advantage of each other. Give honor. Any questions, Jenna? I was just going to also go back to where we're talking about loving ourselves. Yeah. And how it's not that we, the, the answer, the biblical answer is not then to hate ourselves. It's really right. just to Christ, and that kind of like what was mentioned, that God created us, and as a ministry created each of us exactly 
perfectly, mm-hmm. and um, but yet we are sinners and we're striving. But there's not really a. It's not that we detest ourselves, mm-hmm. but we don't have to love ourselves. We already do. right. And, and I think the best illustration I ever heard of this is the idea of you have to get to the point where you kind of forget yourself. Okay, like. Um, have you ever been with somebody who's usually well, like, put together and composed, and then they're watching a football game or something, and all of a sudden they, they like, get all excited, and they come out of their skin? And, they, and, and for a moment, they've forgotten where they are or what they're doing, and they're cheering their kid on at the football game or the TV or whatever. Okay, that moment, that person lost the, I'm thinking of myself, thinking of myself, and they were just thinking about something else. And when it comes to us and our relationships with others, sometimes we are so self-centered we think about how I'm, even when we're helping people, we're like, I wonder if anybody notices that I'm helping this poor person on the side of the road, giving them money. Like, I'm serious. I've done that before where I'm giving somebody money or I'm helping somebody out and I'm like, I wonder if anybody notices I'm changing this tire. <laughs> it's terrible. It's so selfish. I, I, am I the only person who's ever had those thoughts? You know what I mean? So Jenna's like, yep, that's you. Okay. So the point is, is that we got to get to the point where we in our relationships, we are helping people. We are doing things for people and it doesn't even cross our minds. We are just uh, how, how we appear. Uh, lo- we're not loving ourselves, we're loving each other. Okay. We're going to have to pick this up next time. Um, thanks for coming. Let's close the word of prayer and stay around and eat food as much as you want. Lord, thank you for the time we were able to spend tonight. I pray you'd help us to uh, let our love be genuine. That's without hypocrisy. Don't lo- let us love each other for personal gain, but rather because um, we seriously and, and honestly love each other uh, with the love of Christ. We, we sacrificially give. And, and share fellowship one with another. And Lord, thank you so much for the instructions you've given us in Romans chapter 12. In Jesus' name we pray these things. Amen.